You're listening to the IPHC Leadership Cast. Hello and welcome to this edition of the IPHC Leadership Cast. Of course, I'm Garrett Magby with the IPHC Communications Department, and today I am here with Ryan Jackson of Capital Church in Garner, North Carolina, really close to Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And we are here at the Royal Plaza Hotel in Hong Kong for the 5th Global Assembly. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. I tell you what, it's... uh, all the way across the uh, the ocean for us to have this leadership cast. So <laughs> it's a long trip, but it's well worth it. Well worth it, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so go ahead and uh, give our listeners. Um, of course, you're the, the lead pastor, uh, like I mentioned, at Capital Church. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and give our listeners just a little background on you, kind of how you transitioned into uh, this position where you came from, and okay. your journey there, and then we'll we'll uh, kind of talk from there. Right. Okay. So before coming to the Capitol, I was uh, an associate pastor at Northwood Temple. And uh, spent a lot of years in higher education, and uh, Northwood Temple helped tremendously uh, to sort of propel us in that path, and believed in us, and invested in us, and uh, uh, did a lot of stuff to help us. And so we have a great love for Pastor Hedgepath and for the people of Northwood Temple. And and, uh, so we served there on staff for several years as associate pastor and missions director, and uh, then after a season of time, the Lord opened the door for us to become senior pastor of the Capitol Church. So there we are, and we've been there for about six years now. About six years now. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned earlier, 2009 was was your official first year. Six That's years right. later, yeah. you're uh, still still growing and still uh, still there. Yeah, still going That's forward. Right. That's, That's excellent. Right. That's excellent. Well, now let me ask you: um, in a, a position of leadership as a, as a lead pastor, I mean, that's one of the. Um, Kind of the front lines positions, I'd say, in the in the body of believers, as far as um, you know, you're you're leading a flock. You know, you're you're in charge of a, a group of people, um, helping guide them, helping disciple them, helping teach them. Um, what are some of your thoughts on leadership from that point of view, from mm-hmm. that vantage point? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a great honor for me to just speak to all of the pastors and leaders who are listening to this. Uh, I think you know, for me, when I hear a question like that, the first thing that that comes to my mind is the importance of vision. And we all hear so much about the necessity and the importance of having a vision. And we often hear, you know, one of our favorite texts is, as leaders is, is uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, the, where there is no vision, the people perish. Right. And uh, we often think of that, I think, in terms of a, a picture or an image of a desirable future. So we think in terms of Okay, we've got where there where where a leader doesn't have a, a concept or a dream, maybe or some creative or explosive future goal. Where a leader doesn't have that, uh, the people perish. Uh, and uh, as as much truth as there might be in that, uh, that actual verse means something very very different. Because when you read that text, uh, the, we, we can we all normally quote it from the King Jimmy. Right. <laughs> uh, he and I were buddies. He was my uh, roommate in college. But oh right, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, so <laughs> when, uh, when we quote that, we quote it from the King James, and and we typically uh, quote that as uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. But then there's a second half of that verse, and we never quote with it. And the second half of that verse says, "But he that keepeth the law, happy is he." Now, if the first part of the verse means where there is no dream from a visionary leader, right. the people perish. If that's what the first half of that verse means, 
Then the second half of the verse that says, but, on the other hand, the one that keeps the law, happy is he. If the first part means where there's no dream or where there's no compulsory image of the future, if that's what that means, then the second part makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the second part says, but the one that keeps the law. I mean, that's antithetical to kind of the dream or the sort of breaking the mold and going outside the lines and having some creative vision of the future. Right, right. So really when the scripture talks about that, um, uh, the word vision there uh, actually in the Hebrew means revelatory word. Revelatory word. Means revelatory word. And so the concept isn't, if you're a leader, you better get a vision of a building God wants you to, what God wants you to construct. Or if you're a leader, you better get a vision of what kind of ministry He wants you to build. Or uh, how many people you, you need to have in your church. All of those things need to come in terms of planning and strategy and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what this text means is, if you're going to be a leader... You have to have a revelatory word from God. And a revelatory word of what? Well, the second half of the verse tells us. The one that keeps the law. Happy is he. And when we talk about the law, the law we often think of as rules or regulations or whatever. But uh, in this context, the law isn't about rules or regulations or prohibitions. Uh, The law is, is actually a revelation of the character of God. Right. And the one who adheres, in this case, to the character of God, happy or blessed, the same terminology used by Jesus in the, in the, uh, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, right? Blessed right. are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and so forth. And Jesus is saying that, that one is happy or blessed or fulfilled whose character, whose life patterns the life of God. Right. And so what this text means is, if you're going to be a leader... You have to have a revelatory word, a revela- a revelation of the character and nature of God. And if you'll keep that, uh, guard over it, watch over it, like a prison uh, guards his his keep. A prison keeper guards his keep. If you'll watch over that, then then you'll be happy and fulfilled. And the other part of that is to say, uh, the verse says, uh, uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. Uh, the ESV translates that as, they cast off restraint. Right. In other words, the idea, it's not that, uh, that they, they die. It, of course, it, it does mean that eventually, but it means they, they actually go wild. Right. Because there isn't an image before them, a lived out incarnational presence of God in their midst. So to answer your question, in terms of leadership for people, Leadership as a, it actually really doesn't matter what level of leadership you're talking about. Right. I think uh, you have to have a revelation of who God is. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds so like banal almost. But how many times have you and I both seen leaders who just pushed papers? Right. Or right. leaders who just had a vision of some or a dream of some building or some plan or some program for ministry. And somewhere along the way, you can tell the that nuclear octane fuel that's supposed to be driving a passionate heart is somehow kind of subsided. And it's because we lose that revelatory word of who God is. God and we is lose him. that connection with Him some way. So if you want to talk about leadership, I, I think that that's the starting place for me, that leaders have to have that kind of vision. Yeah. That, uh, that we have to be men and women of God who find a place alone with God 
and connect with Him in the power of His Spirit. There is nothing that I will do that is more important than delivering to my people the Word of God. Delivering to my people the ministry that God wants to have. I don't have... I don't have any words that's going to change anybody's life. Right. I mean, no matter how creative I am, no matter how smart I am, no matter how many resources I have, I don't have enough to change people's lives, right? None of us do. Right, right. But we all know who does. And so the most important thing for leadership is for us to have that revelatory word of Him. So we want to know why pastors are burning out? It's because we lose that revelatory word. Right. We want to know why right. people drop out of ministry or people fall into sin or... People's ministry blows up in their face. It's because they lose the revelation of who God is, and they start chasing their dream. Right. right. No dream is bigger than the revelation of God in our lives. And I just think, boy, me as a pastor, forget about everybody else, right? If, <laughs> if I could do that, mm-hmm. and I can do that well, I think at the end of the day, that's an A plus. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and. It, you know, it was very interesting what you were saying a minute ago. Uh, you made the, the correlation that the people lose—I mean, they basically lose direction. They go crazy, and that's right. And that that correlates with what you said a minute ago about how a pastor that that doesn't have that vision doesn't have—it's not work staying within the law. That's right. It's the fact that your life is now reflecting on who God is right. and who God has called you to be. Therefore, you have that fuel, you have that fire to push that direction. It's not work, right. it's life. It's, li- it's truly living. That's right. And it's, you're free, like you mentioned. And, I, and I, I, to me, and something I've noticed, I have noticed, there are lots of people that, that get into the ministry and, and they do get to that point of burnout or they because they're focusing on the next attainment of something, yes. that program. And, and at that point, where is your fuel coming from? Uh, well, here's the truth, Garrett. I mean, isn't it possible that, you know, we all want to grow our church, right? If we're a pastor, I mean, we want our church to be huge. We want it to be a mega you know, right, Everybody right. wants to be a mega church pastor, right? But do we want a mega church or do we want mega influence? Right, right. I mean, you know, uh, do, are we willing to say to God, Lord, I am willing to serve you if it means that the world might call what I'm doing relative insignificance? Or are we chasing some dream or some ambition for ourselves? I mean, Paul, when he went to the Corinthians, and this is so fascinating to me, uh, he lived a life that wasn't just reflecting on God. It was reflective of God. Right. So he he said to them, and the Corinthian society was a world-class metropolitan society. It was the Paris and New York and Hong Kong of the ancient world all roll into one. It was a crossroads of the ancient world. All the nouveau riche were there. All the latest ideas came out of Corinth. All the all the new philosophies were resonating, you know, in their streets. All the tradesmen passed through there. So it was a really thriving, hot city in those days, and and uh, there was a lot of interest in learning, a lot of interest in. And showing off a lot of interest in power and prestige and all that stuff in this city. Right, Paul right. goes there virtually alone. Right. And he says to this group of people who wanted to be so smart and so knowledgeable and so wealthy and so influential and have all of the power and prestige. He says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I have resolved to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I have to tell you, I wouldn't have done it that way. And most Pentecostals wouldn't. Yeah. Because yeah. we would say, 
I have resolved to know nothing among you save the Holy Ghost and the power of the empty tomb. <laughs> right? right? Paul could have said that. No, oh, yeah. But he didn't say that. He said, I've resolved to know nothing except the weakness of God, the shame of God, the folly of God. Because, Paul says, the weakness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the, uh, the sorry, is, is stronger than man's strength and the weakness of God is, is wiser than man. So the foolishness of God is wiser than man. So all of that, Paul says in this statement, I've resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's willing to go into a situation right. where nothing mattered to him except living to be the person that God called him to be, maintaining that revelatory word of who God is and who and who He wanted Paul to be. That's excellent. And you know, Paul, of course, being one of our primary writers in the New Testament, uh, the amount of wisdom from the revelation of God mm-hmm. after he went from crucifying Christians and being the exact opposite yeah. of what he became, found that same passion, that same fire. That's right. And therefore he was able to go into those situations and, and literally write to these churches, Corinth, Ephesus, like say, hey, look, this is, this is how we need to be living. This is the true, this is the true path here. This is, right. God knows what he's doing. We need to get the vision of God and not the vision of. And what sons. a great model for pastors too, because I mean, you know, if if we ever needed a, if we ever needed encouragement, look at the life of Paul. I mean, we we love the first uh, letter to the Corinthians, and you know, has that great passage, the end on the resurrection. He does end up end up talking about that, of course, and and we love to talk about Paul's life. But if there's anything that ought to encourage us, is that Paul's first of all, he didn't realize he was writing scripture, right? So you know, he didn't like sit down in his face started glowing and his pen started moving automatically on the paper. <laughs> read the Bible. Right. So, oh, says, Paul, what are you doing this afternoon? I'm going to go write some Bible. But, you it's know, Bible. it's not like that, right? He's going in. He's writing a letter. Right. And right. Uh, he doesn't know that 2,000 years later we're going to be talking about his correspondence. Yeah. yeah. And what we don't often think about is that correspondence in terms of what we know historically about the Corinthian church was an epic fail. Yeah. Yeah. You realize that? I mean, he wrote 1 Corinthians, and the situation that was going on in Corinth among the people who were distrusting Paul's leadership got worse, yeah. which is why we had to have 2 Corinthians. Yeah. So we, we don't know from history how that all panned out, but there's no church in, in that city today. Yeah. And of course, now in the modern city of, of Corinth, there are, but, but that, that ancient yeah. city, you know, uh, sort of went by the wayside. But anyhow, so the point is that here, here you have Paul's life. It is a great example for us of a man who, who kept a revelatory word of God and God used him mightily. Isn't it possible yeah. that, you know, not everybody pastors a megachurch. We all want that, right? But not everybody does. So a lot of guys who are listening to me right now, you're, you're pastoring a church of 100 people and you feel so insignificant. You feel like there's so much that God has put in your heart and so much you want to see happen. Don't let anything deter you from what God has called you to do but don't chase a dream more than you chase the dream giver right don't right. don't chase that idea or that concept of your desired future more than you just chase the revelation of who God is for when we pursue him and then resolve that look what I'm going to know among these people whatever God does with me however God uses me that's up to him yeah like it can't be you, you know, a megachurch pastor is not, or a, or a, a six, quote, successful pastor is not a success because they decide, you know, they're going to be great and right. they just go for it. Well, that's the human way of thinking, right? But Paul says that human wisdom 
is folly in God's sight. Yeah. And God's way of showing strength is actually, according to Paul, is so fascinating, is the cross, right? Right. He says, I've resolved to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Not Jesus Christ and Him raised from the dead. Not Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost baptizer. You know, <laughs> Not that. Of course, He is those things. But, but Paul says, know the weakness of God. Why? Why? Because God specifically chose the weakest, most foolish element possible to demonstrate the glory of his wisdom and power. Yeah. And man, when we chase that, that is life transforming. It gives me life. And when I engage my people with that, it gives them life too. Amen. That's, that's excellent, Ryan. I, I, uh, I hate to do this because we're getting to the end of our session here, but those are words of wisdom. I mean, that's, that's a revelation right there. And, and I, I hope that our listeners, you know, um, We'll take that to heart because it's it's one of those things where it really can affect not only just pastorate positions, but but all the way down, trickling down through leadership, trickling down through to a personal level with you know, just maybe somebody who does greeting on Sunday morning. You know they've got they've got a huge influence mm-hmm. in their their sphere of life. That's right. That they can take the same passion into and they can be a leader in this same this same realm. They Absolutely. don't have to be the the lead pastor. They don't, but they can grasp this this knowledge, grasp this idea, grasp this revelation, and, and take that and be more effective than than anyone who doesn't have that, who doesn't live with that revelation of God. Um, as we head out, do you have a tidbit of either encouragement or advice to leave our listeners with? Uh, you've already given us a ton, but one last thing, one last final word before we uh, before we sign out. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. What can you say? <laughs> that's very Pauline, that's isn't it? Hey, that is, but that's the best way to do it. Simple and straight to the point. He, he communicates that. So keep your eyes on the prize. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. And uh, and we will um, hopefully talk to you again soon in the future. Blessings, good. I hope so, too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the IPHC Leadership Cast. For more information on the Leadership Cast and other church-related resources, please visit www.iphc.org.